Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. We're getting back together, wrapping up another lovely, wonderful week in such lovely, wonderful company over here. Um, so it's beautiful to be here with such beautiful Yidin. Uh, cruising into another Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Vayigash. Imagine that. It wasn't that long ago that we just started all over again. We began Beratius and now we're all the way, once again, back to finish, uh, Saber Beratius, right? Almost one fifth of the way through. Scary how these things happen. It's next week, it's Chazak. Um, but anyway, in the penultimate parish over here of the book of Genesis, we have Vayigash. I want to dwell on one word actually. One word that shows up in this parasha that you can almost gloss right over it, but if we stop, slow down, and dwell on that one word, brings echoes of the not-so-distant past in terms of the parshias. And what's that one word? Bully. Bully? Bully. No, but good. That's, that was that's a good that was a good direction. I wasn't going to say a good guess. That would that would be worthy of a, a parsha shir in of itself. But that's not the word we're going to do tonight. Yes, yes, very good. But that's not the one we're going to do on tonight, though. Okay, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Anyway, this is in the beginning of the parsha when Yosef still has not revealed himself, hasn't done the big reveal, and uh, and uh, you want it the, the, good. There may be better editions if you want an English Chumash upstairs. Um, I'm not sure. There's really a commentary, just a Ramban's English commentary. Don't know if you're going to find what you're looking for there. But uh, we do have English Chumashim upstairs. In, in any case, right, right, the Lee's got one. So, so in any case, so, so before Yaakov, before Yosef has done the big reveal over here and given the game away, and, and um so to speak, unmasked himself and revealed to his brothers that he's really Yosef. So Yehuda, you know, is stepping up to the plate. Yehuda is confronting Yosef and they're in, in a dire situation over here because as far as they know, this the viceroy of Egypt over here has already kidnapped, uh, taken hostage, taken captive one of their brothers. He's about to seize Binyamin, the second brother. This is the one that Yaakov said absolutely under no circumstances, under no circumstances. Um, can he stay in Egypt? I gotta get him back. And, and Yosef is about to imprison Binyamin also. So Yehuda, um, enters the fray. Yehuda confronts Yosef, and Yehuda has this, this epic showdown, confrontation with Yosef. And Yehuda is, gives a very passionate, um, delivery to, to Yosef, explaining why it is that we need Binyamin back, Binyamin can't stay here, I'm sorry, take me instead, but th- there's no way that we can let Yo- Binyamin stay here. Yes, Binyamin is guilty of the theft, and we readily admit to that, but he can't stay here. So there's one word, again, we didn't hit, hit that word yet, we're getting closer, it's definitely warm now, and he explains, he goes through bit by bit the sequence of the last parsha, and 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 really a timeline of the, of the life of Yaakov, how much tragedy Yaakov has endured, that he lost his wife, he lost one son, Yosef, not knowing that he's speaking to Yosef himself, mm-hmm. and 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 if we take Binyamin away, that's that's the final straw. That's going to send our father Yaakov to the grave, says Yehuda to Yosef, and where he describes Binyamin, the fact that Binyamin is so critical to keep Binyamin, this is the way he describes it. He says like this. Um, this is actually the third pasuk in the parsha. So it's we're in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash, mm-hmm. Perik Memdal is chapter forty-four, pasuk Chaf, verse twenty. El Adoini. I said to my master, that's Yehuda saying, I said to you, Yosef, we have an elderly father at home, that's Yaakov, he has one 
young child still at home. Yelad zakunim, that means the kid that you have when you're already an elderly person. You know, if someone has a, a baby when they're already older, they call that a, a Yelad zakunim, a ben zakunim. So he has a son that was born to him in his old age. That's Binyamin, Benjamin. And his brother has passed away. The brother of this Binyamin, who is the one born to our father in his old age, is no longer with us. That's Yosef. He doesn't realize he's speaking to Yosef. He's telling Yosef, you know, and Yosef is dead. So Yosef is dead. He is left, he, Binyamin, is left alone. He's the only one left from his mother. What he means to say is that, yes, our father has four wives, and yes, he has children from each wife, but from this particular wife, Rachel, he only had two children, and one of them is no longer with us, and the only one left from Rachel, the only one left from his, the, the wife that he worked, the original for seven years for Rachel, is Binyam. He's the only one that's left, and his, our father loves him dearly. So he goes on to say, so how can we not bring him back? You know, you, you, you want to seize Binyamin, Binyamin's the only one left from Rachel, and, and that's going to destroy our father. If take our, send our father to the grave, you can't do that. So he, he, he appeals to the compassion of the viceroy of Egypt. The word I want to dwell on is this word levado. Levado means alone. It means alone. Alone. Levad. Which means alone. Lamed Vez Dalad. means alone. Solitary. Singular. That's what this word means. Levado. And the reason I want to dwell on it is for two reasons. A, it seems to be extra in the Pasuk. It's unnecessary. If there's unnecessary words in the Pasuk, they always have to catch our eye and catch our attention. It says he's left levado. He's left alone. It could have just said, you know, the Pasuk is very self-explanatory. My, our father had one wife, Rachel, who had two kids. One of the kids is dead, and this is the one that's left. As you do the math, he's the only one that's left, right? Just do the math. You don't have to emphasize this point, levado. He's alone. Of course he's alone. He's the only one that's left. So this is an extra word that 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 it has a redundancy in the pasuk, and always, always when the Torah throws out extra words, gratuitous words, there's always ideas, lessons, and and depth, richness lurking beneath the surface. So this is the tip of some iceberg over here, the Levado iceberg. But to take that a step further, there's someone else, interestingly, that was also described in this term of Levado. This term, this word levado, alone, was used to dis- in conjunction with another person in Chumash not that long ago. And that's also, where it's used the first time around also seems to be a little bit superfluous, which has to, means it has to catch eye over there and over here, and which means if the term is using the same word twice in a seemingly gratuitous sense, it certainly, doubly has to catch our eye. Got to catch our eye, Rabbi Yisai, like a fishhook. Like a fish hook. So, where is, where, who is the other person that we find that we use the word levado in conjunction with? Who knows? Who knows? What? Yaakov. Yaakov, excellent. Give this man a cigar. No, don't give him a cigar. He's not even old enough to shave. <laughs> Save the cigar. But he deserves one. He deserves one. Yes, excellent. Menachem Tzvi Reber is right. It says levado by Yaakov. You know, where does it say levado by Yaakov? When he went back to get those small minor vessels, he crossed his entire family over the river on the eve of his showdown with Esau. Everyone was crossed over the river. Yaakov is left all by himself. And what happens? The Malach wrestles with him all night, right? The guardian angel of Esau comes and wrestles with him. And Menachem is exactly right. It says, Vayivaser Yaakov, Levado. Yaakov was left alone. He was left alone. Levado. 
And over there also it seems to be, again, superfluous because it says already they cross everyone over the river. Vayivasa Yaakov, Yaakov's left. Who's left? Yaakov. All needed to say was Vayivasa Yaakov, Yaakov was left. And again, it, it adds on an extra word, Levado. He was left Levado alone. Alone. So we have, I think, three questions that really are all three sides of the same coin. Three sides of one coin? How could that be? I'm not sure. But anyway, three questions which seem to be three sides of one coin. And the three questions are, why does it say this extra word levado by Yaakov? Why does it say the extra word levado by Binyamin? And, 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 um, what's the significance, now that we see it repeated twice, of this word levado? It's something, there's a great iceberg lurking just beneath the surface over here. The Torah is trying to communicate to us with using this word alone, alone. He was left alone. Yaakov was left alone. Binyamin's alone. They're lonely people. Yaakov, they're lonely, po- lonesome people, lonely people, sad people, lonely. No, not sad, lonely people. So what's this word levado? So before we get there, I want to shift. In, let's talk go backwards. So when Menachem mentioned that, that we can't do the word levado the first time, um, in conjunction with Yaakov, uh, when Yaakov's getting ready to fight Esav, when he's left alone and he wrestles with the Malach, Let's turn, return to that episode, indeed, where we find Levado used the first, for the first time, alone. Yaakov is alone. And again, that, that's totally extra, because you said, Vayivaser. Yaakov was left. Yaakov remained. Why is it Vayivaser Yaakov Levado? So we know that Yaakov wrestled with the angel, and we know that, that, um, what happens when the angel saw, the Puzzle says, the Malach Vayarki lo yuchaloi, the Malach saw that he couldn't best Yosef, he couldn't defeat him. And Yaakov's grabbing onto him, not letting him go. He has him pinned down. He's not letting him go. And the, and the Malach says, well, Let me go, let me go. It's almost sunrise. i got to go back up to heaven. So what does Yaakov say? He demands something. I'm not letting you go until... Bless me. You bless me. Excellent. Excellent. And what Yaakov was really saying is, I want you to concede the blessings that I, quote-unquote, stole from Esau. I want you to concede that I got them fair and square. <laughs> So what does the Malach say back? Okay, I concede. He cries, uncle, I concede. And no longer is your name going to be Yaakov. It's now going to be Yisrael. The Malach explains because you have wrestled with men and with angels and you have become victorious. You were victorious. You wrestled with men and angels and you won. That's why now you're going to be called Yisrael. Yisrael means Sarisa. You have... Become, um, no, Yisrael is, um, the lotion of Sar. You are superior. You've proven your superiority. Yisrael, you're superior over men and over Kel, over, over angels even. Um, you know, like Sar, which means a prince. You know, that, that's a kind of idea. So Rashi explains over there that what did this name change signify going from Yaakov to Yisrael? Ra- explains Rashi <clears throat> that um, it, so the Malach says <clears throat> you've earned the name Yisrael because you have battled with men and angels and you become and you've won. Who are the men and the angels? The men and the angels are 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 uh, the angel. That's obviously the angel of 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 uh, Esav. The men are Esav and Lavan. You fought Esav and Lavan and the angels of Esav and Lavan and you've and you've won. That's why you're no longer Yaakov. That's why you're Yisrael because now people will see that ah. You earned the brachas. You earned those blessings fair and square. They didn't come through trickery. They didn't come through deceit. They didn't come through dress, dressing up and pretending to be Esav. No, they came uh, fair and square because 
you stood up to Esav and you stood up to Lavan, so now you earned the brachas. And let's ask another question. Yes, this goes back a while to, you know, Parshas Vayishlach, but Vayishlach wasn't that long ago, and this may help us because it's written in the context of the first Levado. We're trying to understand the Levado tonight alone. Um, let's ask a question over there. Something shifts, something changes. It becomes apparent that after Yaakov has stood up to Lavan and stood up to Esav, now the angel of Esav is able to tell, okay, now you earned the brachas. Now they're yours. Until this point in time, the angel's essentially saying, there was room for everyone to argue, oh, you tricked Esav out of this brachas. You deceived him. You deceived him. You swindled him. You don't deserve the brachas. But now that you have stood up to Esav and you've stood up to Lavan, now you earned the brachas. What, 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 what changed? What changed? Meaning, make up your mind. Does he deserve the brachas? Does he not deserve the brachas? What was the argument of, of the Malach of Esav and Esav himself? That they were, Yitzchak wanted to give it to me, our father wanted to give it to me, and you, you dressed up as me, you presented me me, and you took my brachas away. So if he stole them, he stole them. If he stole them, then you can stand up to all the, the bullies in the world, but he still stole them. Good, he stood up to Esav, and he stood up to Lavan, but at the end of the day, he still stole them. And if you believe he didn't stole, steal them, he deserves them, so he deserves them even without standing up to, to Esav and Lavan. It's like a strange thing, you know? A strange thing. It's like, you know, let's say you steal my bicycle. Let's say, let's say Shlomo Steve steals my bicycle. He steals my motorcycle. He steals my Harley. You know? So I'm really upset. You stole my Harley. That was my Harley. You know how, 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 how many years I delivered newspapers for it to earn that Harley to how many soda cans I recycled to save up money for that, for that, for that Harley. And he steals it from me. A chutzpah. Then, okay. So he stole my Harley. I'm very upset. Very upset. Can I take him to his entire I take him to Bez and get money? Sure. He stole my Harley. But let's say I see that, you know what I see? I see every Arab Shabbos, he goes with that Harley, goes down, Bustleton, roars his way down, bustles, goes to Hassan Kosher, buys gefilte fish and potato kugel, and I see him delivering gefilte fish and potato kugel to the poor people of, of Philadelphia on the Harley. That's a chutzpah. I say, what? That's a chutzpah. Say, they get, that's like, that would make like a great like uh, video, right? It would set to some nice uh, Jewish song. Anyway... So, that's so heartwarming. You know, he's, he's, he's using that Harley to deliver gefilte fish, potato kugel, uh, some, some, uh, baba ganoush maybe, and hummus to the underprivileged of, of Philadelphia. So heartwarming. You know what? I see, I, I see now, you know, Shlomo, you deserve that motorcycle. You deserve it. Well, I'm a ratzis. What, what idiocy? What, you know, what's, where's the money for my motorcycle? It's beautiful. You're using it for missus, but you stole it. Mm-hmm. You still pay up, pay up for the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense, right? When you're a Talmudist, you don't think that way. You're like, okay, you're using it for missus, that's, that's beautiful. But, you know, that thing costs, how much does a Harley cost? A lot of money, that's right, a lot of money. So, you know, pay up, pay up, because you're using it for good things, now you deserve it. Does that make any sense? This is not a, that's like a, Amaratzis, that's buffoonery, right? That's that's a Hollywood, maybe. A nice Hollywood ending. But you stole my motorcycle, buddy. I don't care what you're using it for. You stole my motorcycle. So, like, that's what the Malach is telling Yaakov over here. I see that you stood up to love and you stood up to Esau, so good the brachas are yours. Make up your mind. You have an argument, you don't have an argument. If he stole it, he stole it. If he didn't steal it, then he didn't steal it. If he stole it, he stole it, and you just on the back, even if he's 
you know, standing up to Yaakov to love an Anesav. And if he deserves a fair and square, if he releases all along, they're his all along, even if he doesn't stand up to, to, to love an Anesav. So this is the problem over here with this concession and this blessing that the angel gives Yaakov. So, oh, now that you stood up to everyone, I see no longer did you get the brachas through deceit. You earned those brachas. You deserve those brachas. Why? Because you used the Harley to deliver gefilte fish and luxury kugel and chicken soup with matzah balls. So now you deserve it? That doesn't make any sense. Can pay up, right? So, so, so there's a lot of problems going on over here. So let's try to put all these problems together. Let's try to, very often we find that the more problems we bring to the table, the more the problems very often solve themselves and, mm-hmm. and show us that they like converge on a certain point of truth. And let's see perhaps what that, 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 that point of convergence of truth looks like. So it's like this. Asaph, and by extension, his angel are, are, are furious. They're furious that Yaakov has, quote-unquote, stolen the brachas. They really want those brachas. Why do they want those brachas? Well, what's the claim? What's the real claim of Esav and Esav's guardian angel to those blessings for all those years, for decades? For decades, they still have this claim. For decades, Esav is still fuming that Yaakov stole the brachas. Mm-hmm. What's his claim? Asa's claim essentially is, now this is, we're going to explore a, a, another tip of a much greater iceberg, of which the, the other iceberg, we don't really, is beyond the scope of tonight's session, but maybe another time, another place, another year, we'll go through the other iceberg. But just to chisel away at another iceberg temporarily, what's Asa's claim? Why does Asa want those blessings? And You know, Asa, we know Asa has, he lives a different life than we do. Asa mm-hmm. is a, you know, wild, rough and tumble kind of guy. He's hunting animals and he's, he's you know, chasing Chasing, you know, all of his desires. Um, what's Asaph's real claim um, behind the scenes in, in him not giving up on those blessings up until that point in time that Yaakov can pin the angel down? What? Why is it that Asaph wants those brachas? Why are they so important to him? Is it sentimentality? It's 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 is it uh, you know this is uh, you know represents his father's belief in him. His connection back home. Why are those blessings so important to Asaph? Greatness. What do you mean by greatness? Well, his own greatness. His own kind of. Uh... Let's let's polish that thought up. I think you hit upon a yeah. diamond in the rough. Let's polish that. Let's polish that a little bit. Ilya is saying, why does he want those blessings? Because the blessings represent greatness. Which blessings are you talking about? The ones from the end Father's. of Toldus. The ones that Yitzchak gave to Yaakov, thinking that Yaakov was Asaph. Okay, when he couldn't see. Yes, well, yes, yes, yes. It wasn't that. It's... For the stew that he gave, <clears throat> that's different. No, but they actually does connect. They do connect. They actually do connect. Repershal's onto something also. Repershal's onto something. And together, Repershal is onto, he's, he's polishing up, one, I think, one side of this diamond that we just extracted over here. Ilya's saying greatness, Repershal's saying the birthright, and they all go together. Mm-hmm. Asa really wants those blessings because those blessings represent a certain type of greatness in the form of Ben-Zir. destiny. I would use the word destiny. He wants those blessings that were intended for him, that his father wanted to give him, because those blessings represent his destiny. Esau's destiny, and that destiny, which was really charted from him being the birth, the firstborn, the birthright. Esau believes he's really still the firstborn. He believes that this deal with Yaakov was, was not really a binding one, was not a total relinquishment of his birthright as a firstborn, and therefore was not a, 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 a an abdication of his destiny. Okay, everybody got that? 
Esav believes that he still has that destiny of being the firstborn, and he's destined for that greatness that the firstborn confers upon him, and therefore he deserves the blessings that go together with being the firstborn. So let's put all this together. Yitzchak wants to give Esav blessings. Because Yitzchak also believes that Esav is still what? What is Yitzchak believe? Who does Yitzchak think is the firstborn? How does Yitzchak know who's the firstborn? Esav. How does Yitzchak know who's the firstborn? Generally, we figure that based on who's born first. So in Yitzchak's mind, who's the firstborn? Yaakov? No. No. Esav was born first. Yeah. Now Esav sold out to Yaakov, yeah. but they never told that to Yitzchak. Yitzchak was unaware of this. Mm. Yitzchak only finds out... So Rebecca knew, right? She knew. And that's why she convinces Yaakov to dress up like Esav and get the blessings. Because mm-hmm. she knows about something that we're about to explore together. Let's do this because there's a number of ideas to get in. we gotta get, get, we got to get them in before Meirut, Rabbi say So... Esav was was the firstborn, and he sold out to Yaakov. Yitzchak is not aware of this. Yitzchak doesn't know that. Yitzchak only finds out all the way at the end after Esav inadvertently admits this to, to, to his father Yitzchak. He says, "Look, Yaakov duped me twice. He duped me twice. He took away my birthright and he took away my blessings." When Yitzchak hears this, ah, he took the birthright away. Also, I see I blessed the right person. Thank you for telling me. But Yitzchak believes. That Esav is the firstborn. Esav himself also still believes that he's the firstborn. Okay, he made some kind of deal, but you know, there was a, uh, you know, what's Esav thinking to himself? Yaakov forgot to say no backsies. He didn't say no backsies. If you don't say no backsies, what do we, you know, then, well, there's a reason we say no backsies. What's the reason you say no backsies? Because if you don't say no backsies, you, you can have backsies, right? So, uh. What? To wear a mask, you won't get <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, um, Esau feels that he's still the firstborn. If you're the firstborn, you have a certain destiny. That's why Yitzchak wants to give the brachas to the firstborn. And you inherit double from your estate, too. You inherit double, yeah. and you have a certain destiny. A, what kind of a destiny? Whoever the firstborn is, is born to Yitzchak, is destined to be one of the pillars of the Jewish empire, the Jewish nation. Let's chisel a little bit more away at that iceberg that's lurking in the corner that we're not going to get into so much tonight. The Jewish nation was supposed to have really been founded by two pillars, and those are the pillars of Yaakov and Esav in tandem. Yaakov and Esav together were supposed to establish the Jewish nation. They were supposed to divide between the two of them, the Jewish nation. Rachel and Leah were supposed to be paired up, one with Yaakov and one with Esav. Yaakov wasn't supposed to marry both. And if you look in Rashi, he's all the way, immediately in Rashi. One, one was supposed to marry Rachel, one was supposed to marry Leah. Yaakov and Esav in unison jointly, jointly, are supposed to develop Klai Yisrael. Esav is the firstborn, the primary pillar, and Yaakov as the secondary pillar, the second pillar, but together, each of them, the Svarmakadash and the Holy Book tells each of them was supposed to produce, excuse me, six tribes, six from Esav, six from Yaakov. And as such, Esav is supposed to be the firstborn. He has that destiny, this destiny, that as Ilya referred to as greatness, we'll call it destiny. And Yitzchak sees Esav still as having that role. He wants to give him the blessings that the firstborn needs. Rivka knows that it really was transferred over to Yaakov. And the moment it's transferred to Yaakov, Yaakov really has to play two roles now. Yaakov has to be a Yaakov and he has to be an Esav. He has to really be both pillars, combine it to one. He has to, on both of his shoulders now, 
produce Klai, so that's why Yaakov has to marry Rachel and Leah now, and Yaakov has to have 12 tribes, because he has to serve the role of Esav and the role of Yaakov. He's firstborn and the secondborn. Both rolled into one, got married both wives, produced 12 tribes. Let's take that a step further. What's the role of Esau versus the role of Yaakov? Why do we need both? What are these two pillars? Why do you need two pillars to establish Klai Yisrael? Two pillars. Why do you need a Kayach of Esau and a Kayach of Yaakov? What's the role of Esau and the role of Yaakov? Everyone hear the question? So the dual role that they have is, again, where we're, this is a, we can go off, we can spend an entire hour and a half, and we've done that in the past, just getting into this, but we're not going to do that right now. The role of Esau is to be that of vanquishing evil, standing up to evil. The role of Yaakov is supposed to be that of clinging to God. Dveikos, we call that. Closeness to God. You could call this Yira and Ava, fear and love. You could call it Gevura and Chesed. Self-control, strength, and kindness is all the same thing. Klal Yisrael has to have both. We have to have, first, a, a, a power and influence of standing up to evil, battling evil, and not allowing evil to infiltrate our camp and staring the evil down. And we have to have a power also of what? Of of, of um, clinging to God. Of love. Tveikos, that's right. We have to have both. Esav, his pillar, that of the firstborn, the work of the firstborn has, is there to pave the way for the Tveikos. Before you have Tveikos, first you have to get rid of your attachment to evil. If you have an attachment to evil, how can you cling to God if you are still clinging to evil? Right? Was it Yaakov Emes also? Yaakov was also Emes, yes, very good. Yes, yes, he was, he was. Um, so, clearly, to have real Devekas, to have a real relationship with God, first you have to purge all the evil. You have to get rid of the evil. You have to get rid of the evil first. You know, um, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go give the Rebbein Shalom a big hug while you have a, a piece of, uh, like some, you know, a, a piece of fried bacon in one hand, giving God a hug with the other hand. Right? This doesn't make Hashem very happy. What's clinging to God? And you have the chazer in one hand, and you have the other hand around the rebite. Hashem, I love you so much. One second, let me just take another bite. Hashem, I love you so much. So what kind of dveikus is that, right? Dveikus, to be dveikus first requires bitlara. First, I've got to purge the evil. And we see this in Psukhals and Surmei, Rav HaSeitai, get rid of the evil and, 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 and do good. It always has to be in that order. Esav's role, and his pillar, is first to pave the way for the dveikus of Yaakov by giving his bitlara, by purging the evil. That's what Yaakov is there to do. So first, uh, that's Esau. That's what Esau's role was. Esau's role is to stand strong, to face off evil, and to not be influenced by evil, to not be in- affected by evil, to not be drawn after evil, to say to evil, I know what you're trying to tempt me with. I know what you're trying to, to lure me with. It's all meaningless. It's all hollow. It's all valueless. I negate all of you. I, I dismiss it all. That's what we call negation of Rab Bittal Hara. That's what Asa was supposed to bring to the table. Everybody got that? And when you do that, when I say all of this is silliness, is 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 frivolous, is non-existent, all this temptation, I negate it all, then we can move on to the next stage, which is Yaakov which with his Dvekas. So cutting back to Yaakov and his wrestling and showdown with the with the angel. All these years. Esav and his Malach have been contending that Yaakov doesn't deserve the brachas. You don't deserve the brachas. We haven't relinquished them. We haven't conceded their hours. What does it mean that Esav hasn't conceded the brachas? Was it now, now that, you know, 
we've explored this topic a little bit better with more depth. What does it mean? What does it really mean that they haven't given up on the blessings? That the blessings, Esav is contending that the blessings are still his. What's he really saying? Destiny. If the destiny is still his. That role is still his. If Esav hasn't been able to give up on the blessings, Esav is saying, that job is still mine. I'm still that pillar. I'm still supposed to have a role in developing Kleisro. I'm still here to face evil and shat it down. To face evil, not be tempted. To face evil and emerge stronger. That's still my role. And as such, I still deserve the blessings. That's not your role, Yaakov. That's my role. You stole that. Give it back. If Esav doesn't conceive the blessings, Esav is saying that that role is still mine. When does Esav concede his angel? When does the angel finally concede to Yaakov and say, you deserve those blessings. They're really yours. When when Yaakov is able to be an Esav, when he indeed proves that he can fulfill the role of Esav, when you fought with men and with angels and you defeated them. You stood like we quoted earlier from Rashi. You stood strong to Lavan. You stood up to Esav. You were not influenced. You shattered them down. You stared them down. You won the showdown against evil. Now you deserve those brachas. Now you earn those brachas. We see you've proven to humanity that you are the Esav. You can be the Esav and you have assumed the destiny of the Esav because you're playing at that role of negating evil. Everybody got that? What a beautiful, amazing idea. What a click. What a sharp click with everything coming into focus right now. This is why at that point the angel concedes the blessings to Yaakov because you've indeed become an Esav. You've played at that role. You're ready for destiny. You are both pillars now. I concede the blessings of yours. Everybody understand? And on the eve of this showdown, where Yaakov has indeed proven that he can stand strong to love and Esav, he earns the title of Levado. Vayivaser Yaakov Levado. Yaakov remains alone. Alone. On the eve of this showdown, when does the model come to give him that final test, that final the final trial, to see if he's really an Esav, if he really can assume that destiny and be that pillar, he, he gives his title of Levado. Vayivazu Yaakov Levado. Yaakov is now alone. So we asked, that's an extraneous word. It's superfluous. He could have said Vayivazer. He remains. Of course he remains alone. He's the only one left. What's Levado? So here's the story, Rabbi Say Levado, alone, is the key, not just for Yaakov, but for all of us, to always stand strong in the face of temptation, to never be bested by evil, but for us always to be able to have that kayak, that power of bitl hara, of negating evil, not to succumb to, to, to succumb to temptation, not to do the wrong thing, but, but to be able to stand up to all the sheker, all the, all the evil, and all the falsehood in the world, and be able to have that power of Yaakov, it all comes from a mida, a character trait called levado, being alone. What does it mean to be alone? It means, I see it all add to. I see everything that evil has to offer. I see all of the lures and the temptations of all that is evil and bad in this world. And I realize that it's all non-existence. Not even silly. More than just silly. More than meaningless. More than immature. It's non-existent. There's no real alternatives out there. These are not real alternatives. There's really only one way to go in life. Only one path forward. Only one reality. And that's God's reality. That's God's will. And these temptations, you know, there's one level of having a temptation and going back and forth 
Should I have the ice cream? Should I not have the ice cream? Should I have the burger? Should I not have the burger? Should I have the burger with the ice cream? Chas v'shalom, not if it's milk ice cream, right? Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I have the extra portion of chalun? Should I not have it? Should I have the eighth piece of, 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 of the, should I have that eighth, uh, schnitzel. schnitzel? Should I have that eighth schnitzel? Should I just stop at seven? Right? So we all know struggle. So, so sometimes we lose the struggle. Sometimes we win the struggle. But winning the struggle is not yet the, the culmination of this midah of bitul harab, negating evil. That's There was a struggle, and I won the struggle. The ultimate level of the, the pillar of Esav, which Yaakov had to assume, is when there isn't even a struggle. When I say, that doesn't exist. That temptation, I don't see it even. It doesn't exist. It's not reality. The only reality is God's reality. The only reality, the only real way to go is God's vision, God's plan, God's will. God's expectation for me, that's the only way to go. There are no alternatives. There are no, are no alternatives. Alternatives. That's the ultimate level of bitul hara. It's not just, that's why we call it negating evil. Not just winning over evil, being stronger than evil, but it's saying that evil is non-existent. This is non-existent. This is not reality. There's no other place to go but God's reality. That's levado. Vayivazar Yaakov levado. He must he mustered and mastered this midah of alone. What does it mean to be alone? Alone in that there's only one way to go. There are there are no alternatives. There are no temptations because there's no other way to go besides God's will and God's reality. That's the midah of Yaakov. And that gets passed over. And that's why now he's mastered that. And, 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 and that's why the Malach of Esav now concedes the brachas to him because this is the meat of Esav that he has now made a kininam. And as we, as, as we, 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 we know that we said that Yaakov had to take on the role of Yaakov and Esav. He had to marry Rachel and Leah. He had to produce two houses, a house of Rachel and a house of Leah. And these two houses re- represent and reflect these two different pillars once again. The house of Yosef is there for Bitzel Harat to negate evil. To pave the way for the house of Yehuda, of David HaMelech, which is there for Dvekas, to, to have closeness with God. Again, we're compacting a lot in right now, because this is that other iceberg that we can't get into tonight. But being that Yosef and Binyamin come from the house of Yosef, the house of Rachel, their midas as well is to negate evil, to be mavatli evil, to say there's no evil, there's no... There's no viable option called evil. The only option is God's option, is God's reality, that there's no alternatives. Binyamin also... And Yaakov and Yosef carry on this meat of Levado, and that's what Yehuda was saying. who Levado, that's why you find the other Levado by Binyamin as well, because Binyamin is a continuation of the house of Rachel and Yosef. Binyamin is a continuation of this pillar of Esav, and that's, Yehuda is essentially saying we need Binyamin still, because Binyamin is the sole, um, torchbearer right now of this character of Levado, of Bittal Hara, of saying that there's nothing but God, there's no alternatives out there. The only reality is God's reality. We need that to pave the way for Klaistral. Binyamin has the Levado torch that he's been handed to him from, from Yaakov, and we can't afford to lose that. So this is the Levados, what Levado means in both places, putting Levados together, why it's spoken out over here, that it's not extraneous, and this is a little bit of understanding, the, the sequence as to why initially the Malach didn't want to concede the brachas, then he did concede the brachas, and all the jobs that Yaakov had. There's a lot to digest over here, I think, Rabbi Yisai. But, uh, Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. You have a good luck and a good time digesting all this. And a wonderful Shabbos Kodesh. And uh, digest the challenge well also. And uh, everyone have a great, great Shabbos. See you all, Mirza Hashem, next week. Thank you for joining.